Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute? Is that right? Did I do it right? Welcome to another exciting episode of Superman 3 Movie Minutes, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies is 1983 Superman 3, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Butter Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly, and joining me on this journey through time and space is... Chris Franklin. Hey, Chris. How you doing? I'm doing good. We're at the Daily Planet, Rob. <laughs> we're at the Daily Planet. This is, as we mentioned in the previous episode, we're, we're done with the, the silly street antics right out of the Keystone Cops, and we're back into more familiar and comforting territory And the Daily Planet. Uh, we're going to be talking about minutes 10 through 15 of Superman 3. We're going to start with the, uh, the Jingo game going on, and we're going to, we're going to end uh, with the uh, plot basically kicking in, and this is a plot that uh, appears in not just Superman 3, but in another film. But we'll talk about that uh, when, we, when we get there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we're opening up in the scene where Perry is playing the the Jingo game, and we've got Miss Henderson, and there's all this sort of comedy business going on with the Jingo where she's asking Perry, you know, uh, to list uh, the, the number, and then she runs outside and yells the number, and then Perry, and she's bothering him. It does seem weird that the publisher of the paper doesn't have something better to do than this. Can't she get a functionary? Uh, to be bothering with this, but okay. You know, again, it's part of the gags here. So then we have this conversation where uh, Clark is talking about that he is pitching a story to uh, Perry, and it's all about going back to a small town. And of course, he's sort of linking it up with going back to his town in, in uh, Smallville. I am a little dubious that a class reunion is that terrific a story for a major metropolitan newspaper. I don't know. Am I? I, I don't come from a small town. Am I being prejudiced in my suburban ways? It just doesn't seem like that exciting a story for the Daily Planet. Yes, yes, you are. No, no, so I'm, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no I've, I've always thought that that was, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's like, hey, uh, boss, will you pay for me to go back home so I can go to my class reunion? That's what it kind of seems like. I mean, I know that I know Clark's not coming at it from that angle, but it's like it's. You know, everybody that's, you know, if you, if anybody has any desire to go to their class reunion, a lot of people don't stay in the hometown. They, you know, don't stay in their hometown. I mean, I'm one of the few people that do, but a lot of people don't. So, I mean, is it that unique to, maybe it's just not that many people have written about it, but it, it doesn't seem like, you know, it's, it's no wonder what Perry says later when Lois walks out versus, you know, and Clark gets his ego bruised. Well, it's because you're writing stuff like this, Clark, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, again, I don't, I don't want to like be redoing this movie as we're coming in on it because, we got to just judge the movie that we're watching, but like they could have come up with a story that like Clark is going to like a nearby town to investigate some crime, some big story. And then like, while he's there, uh, he's like, Oh, you know what I mean? Like they could have worked it in there. Like, Oh, uh, by the, Oh my, also my class reunion is happening. I can go and stop in here. You know what I mean? As opposed to making it the story. Right. I mean, I mean, it could have been a couple lines of dialogue. 
there could have been some whistleblowing going on about safety regulations at the chemical plant. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. There's two Z's and there's two Z's and uh, two. There's only one Z in Brazil. Um, right. Sorry. That would have been funnier had I not blown the joke. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there is a great there is one little bit of physical uh, comedy. Well, actually, not physical comedy. It's it's a verbal comedy where uh, Clark refers to himself as a metropolis sophisticate. Yeah. Uh, which which <laughs> which causes all three of our, our fellow Daily Planetans to turn their heads and look at Clark like he's gone crazy, right. which I liked. I liked that gag. I thought that was actually pretty funny. <laughs> and then Clark pulls out his old uh, Smallville Letterman uh, sweatshirt. And of course, it's got a big S on it. And he doesn't realize that it looks a little awkward. And Lois gives it a double glance. And then it's Clark realizes that uh, what, it, what it sort of looks like. And he does the Smallville thing. Right. Uh, trying to throw him, throw him himself, throw Lois off the trail there of, of that, which again, it's a nice, it's a nice little gag. Yeah, I, I like that gag. It's, it's cute. And the colors are actually the same colors they'll use uh, uh, for the school on the Smallville TV series. So that's a nice, oh, that's nice, nice okay. touch. And I do have a question though. When, when he's trying to talk to Perry, talk Perry into it while he's messing with the Jingo Bingo, Lois is like rifling through Perry's desk. It's like, mm-hmm. is she looking for like vacation vouchers or what is she? I mean, what is she doing? I, I've never really noticed that before, but this time I'm like, I guess they were like, you know, Margot's like, well, what am I supposed to do while they're talking? Oh, just go through his desk. You know, I, I don't know, but it's just, he's it's a trusted curious. reporter, you know, she's allowed to rifle through his desk, I guess. I, I guess so. Unless she's trying to, you know, she's onto some story about Perry that he doesn't know about or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she's busy looking for her bikini, uh, which she finds, which she pulls out this magenta colored little, little bikini and she dangles it. And then that's it. That's it for Margot Kidder until the very end. She exits the movie at that point. And it's sort of funny. It's, it's, I, I don't want to mean to over, over, uh, read it, uh, but we're here is that we see in the background, we see Margot Kidder depart the set and we see her through all the glass panes and we see that she walks away. And Mark McClure just stands there and watches her leave through the mm-hmm. whole bit. And I almost wonder, it's like as an actor, uh, Mark McClure is, I wonder, like, is, is that the actor? Not so much Jimmy Olsen playing. Is it, that's Mark McClure just kind of like, you know, in his own mind, commenting that, oh, there goes Margot off the movie, you know, because when they make movies, um, they make a big deal when actors wrap up their their time on a movie like they, yeah. that's like a thing. You've seen it on YouTube videos or whatever. When someone raps, they always go. And that's a that's a show wrap for so and so. And they give them a you know a round of applause. I remember I saw that on when they made um, Star Trek Generations, when William Shatner finished his scenes. You know, they were like, and that's yeah. a that's a show wrap for William Shatter, and they give him a clap or whatever. And I have to wonder, didn't they do that for Margot Kidder? Like, is that? I mean, of course, she comes back at the end of the movie, but I I don't know if they filmed that sequence earlier. I'm sure they filmed this all at the same time yeah. to have Margot there. And it just it doesn't look. We're gonna love Annette O'Toole in this movie, but it does make me a little sad to see Lois so profoundly just written out of the movie, and then she's gone. I mean, you know, the importance of Lois Lane is 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 the second most important character in the Superman canon other than Superman obviously there's, there's a there's a reason why the show is called Superman and Lois exactly and there is a Superman 3 i just watched the premiere episode of that as we record this there is a Superman 3 reference in that wow <laughs> i i have not seen the show yet do you want to tell people what it is or do you want to hold off I, I don't want to ruin it for anybody. By the time this airs, it'll be long gone, but, but you know, it'll, it'll have aired, but it'll probably still be on the CW streaming app. Go watch it, guys. It's, it's a really good show. Is it, I really, is it, 
is it i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you is the reference very obvious or is it like oh it is super obvious it's a super feet obvious one i'll just put it that way all right (laughs) oh i'm I'm, color me intrigued chris all right so yeah 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 i I, you know i I noticed mark mcclure watching her and that was i I think you're right that probably was more of an actor thing Mm -hmm. now Christopher Reeve as Clark watches her leave, and I think that's more of a wistful, what could have been type thing because you got to figure, you know, he remembers everything. Uh, you know, Lois does right. gave her the super kiss. He remembers that they were together, that they they tried to make it work, and you know, here they are back the way they were before. And uh, you know, they could have done a whole lot more with that. Uh, this is not that type of movie, and unfortunately, uh, you know, Margot and the producers. You know, I know Ilya Salkine. He addressed it. That you know, in the in the um, in the commentary, I, I would say there's still a lot of hurt feelings and bad blood there. That's why Margot Kidder. It, it's not just that Lois's story had run out. You find a story for Lois Lane when you're doing the Superman project, you mm-hmm. know. So um, you know, I, I yeah, it's it's sad to see her go. I love Annette O'Toole, but Lois Margot Kidder is Lois Lane, and Lois Lane is is you know she's the other half of superman it's like you know superman and uh, like you said superman and lois so. yeah. yeah i mean she's the most most famous supporting character in all of comic book history clearly everyone is who lois lane is mm-hmm. so yeah it is a little sad to, to see her depart so after that so then clark leaves as well to go to smallville now i mean we know that the daily planet has other reporters uh we don't see them we don't really ever none of them are ever really identified now in Superman one, we see that all the people are sitting at desks. So you have to assume all those people are reporters as well. Yeah. But we just never name any of them. Um, right. So I mean, have to assume, but I mean, you know, how does Perry run his paper without two of his main reporters? I mean, I guess post Luthor being in jail, there's not as much going on or something. Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, you know, he, uh, you know, the other reporters were all in the, in Perry's office when Superman first appeared the next morning, you know, and he's, oh, that's he was right. yeah, he had a big questions. group of them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, who, who, you know, what's his favorite ball team, Kent, you know, that scene, but, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I love the line though. It's like, you know, it's not easy to lose my best reporter, but you deserve the vacation Lois. And I love <laughs> how Clark is just so like put out. It's like, this dude can literally move mountains, but he can still get his ego bruised, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but again, maybe if he didn't write stories about going back to class reunions, Lois <laughs> wouldn't be the best reporter on the Daily Planet. I'm just saying. So He wants yeah. to be a good reporter. I mean, you know, he wants to be good at his job, which is nice. Uh, yeah. I appreciate that. So then yeah. we cut over to the uh, WebSCO Industries, the Data Processing Center. We're back to uh, Richard Pryor's job, and we have a guy dispensing Paychecks, uh, boy, you remember that? Remember when he used to get paper checks? Remember that? That was that was not a good time. Uh, I find uh, direct deposit to be much more easy to deal with. And we get a, kind of another scene reminiscent of the opening scene where Richard Pryor, Gus Gorman, gets his check, and it's not the amount that he wants. And I mean, boy, who can't relate to that? Uh, where he's talking about all the deductions that the, there's this tax and that tax, and and all these things coming out. And then he has a fairly long scene. With a coworker. Now, this was curious to me because this guy, this coworker, is never named. Uh, he would never hear uh, Gus say his name, and it was hard for me to figure out what actor uh, we were talking about here. Because I'm like, well, he's got to be credited because he gets an extensive scene here mm-hmm. with Gus. So my guess is he is an actor named Lou Hirsch who mm-hmm. does not have a picture on his IMDb page, which is very frustrating because then you can't match it. There was one other person uh, listed as like. 
uh, computer employee or computer coworker. And I thought, well, maybe that's the guy. But then that I looked at that guy didn't have an IMDb picture either, but he was listed as being born in 1926. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that would have made him 60. This guy is clearly not 60. So I'm guessing that this actor is Lou Hirsch. If that is correct, Lou Hirsch has some interesting credits. He was in The Lonely Lady, the kind of quasi softcore porn film with Pia Zadora, mm. uh, which is a awful movie. Uh, Orson Welles is in it, just cashing a check, speaking of checks. <laughs> Uh, he was in a British TV show called My Hero, where he plays like a Superman type. Uh, if you look at the, the box art, it's a guy in a cave carrying a woman flying around outer space. But his most interesting credit, again, if this is in fact Lou Hirsch, is the voice of Baby Herman and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't. I mean, look, I know that the Roger Rabbit franchise really was not a franchise, but I'm a little shocked that someone who was, if again, whoever this Lou Hirsch guy is, couldn't be bothered to have his IMDb picture on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that seems it's it's like one of those people that uh, don't have an avatar on their on your Twitter feed. You just kind of get like, what are you doing? <laughs> Upload anything? Just like you know, why is it? Why is it just this blank shadow? So let's assume for the for the moment that this is in fact Lou Hirsch who yeah. has this extended scene with Richard Pryor talking about all the deductions out of his check. And again, we're setting up the whole idea here that Gus uh, thinks he has, you know, uh, the, the uh, a pathway to a great new career, but he's seeing that he's never going to make any money because of all the deductions and stuff. So then they, they continue their conversation into the Websco cafeteria. And I think I've mentioned this on other podcasts, maybe ones we've done together, Chris, I don't know, but I, I don't know why i love cafeterias. I love, I have such a thing for cafeterias in like office buildings or department stores. There was a time when every department store, department stores used to have them. Yeah. You and I are old enough. I think I am. I'm old enough. I don't think you are. You may have just missed it. No, I remember. Do you remember them? Okay. All right. Because I, when I was a kid, they had them and I, I don't know why I'm fascinated by them, but I am. But I just, I really love the scene of watching these two guys get their food because I am just like. I don't know. I'm Captain Cafeteria or something. I, I, th- I think if, if you don't mind me going a little David A. Scudieras on you, I can oh, psychoanalyze no. you a little bit. Um, all right. Well, you scared me there for a minute, but all right, go right ahead. Uh, because you have mentioned before how your dad would like take you to his office sometime when he, he right. buy you a tabloid, a treasury comic. That's right. And uh, you'd go and get a sandwich out of the machine. So, yeah. Uh, so maybe that's where it comes from, man. You associate that with some good times, some, some treasury comics and a sandwich. You Probably know? So, so. Probably so. There's, <laughs> There's something I find very I, – I, I think that's most of it. But I, there's something also I find very charming about that there was a time in this country and in the world where companies kind of cared about their employees or their customers enough to provide kind of services like this. Nowadays, yeah. everything is just you know cut to the bone sort of, although I will say at CBS we do have a cafeteria. Um, yeah, I've got, nice. we've got one too where I work. Oh, do you? Oh, okay, great. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you eat there often? Well, I, when I worked, I don't work at, I work at a different office now, but of course I don't, I work from home right now, sure, but, sure. I, but, but, uh, I, I used to eat there like, like at least one day a week and it was okay. always, it was actually pretty good food. And, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, it was, it was nice, you know, and, and going there and chew the, chew the fat with the other folks and, you know, the office people and the people in the, the plant, it's, uh, you know, they, they were all mingling in there together. So, yeah, it was 
it's pretty nice. Yeah. yeah, I just I like that this company, all the a company that makes the effort to provide this for its employees. I mean, you got to pay for it. It's not like it's free, but yeah. there's just something about you know, it, there's the extra effort made to to have employees and prepare food. I just find it all very charming, and it's not something I think you see as much nowadays. So I, I'm I'm glad that like they took the effort to like give this scene a little bit of visual interest and have them move to another setting to talk as opposed to just doing the whole scene in the computer room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's a mark of a good director. You know, you're like, all right, let's give it some visual, some visual excitement to look at something new. And it's here where they have the conversation about how, uh, uh, in a tech, Oh, excuse me. Uh, Websco, uh, <laughs> shaves these half of percent cents off of, off of all their formations. And they just, erase that money because it's a it's a quarter of a cent it's not worth tracking and that's where we get this slow push in on gus as he is starting to obviously figure the plan and i mean and this plan is obviously so amazing that it is lifted for an entire another movie office space which to mike judge's credit credits this movie which is one of the rare times i can ever think of a movie consciously kind of quoting another movie Especially something like this. So I love the fact that this Superman three, for no other reason, lives on in 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 film history as being a direct, indirect inspiration for Office Space. I just love it. It's funny because Office Space was a total bomb when it came out. Yes, it was. It, it, it developed such a cult following because it's it's practically a documentary on office life. I Pretty mean, much. Uh, uh, and, uh, and and you know, and it's it's become this huge thing. And and. And Superman three, you know, actually made money and was very profitable. Not as much as the first two, but then it kind of got derided <laughs> over the years. It's kind of the exact opposite, really, if you think yeah. about it. The trage- trajectories were totally opposite. But yeah, I-, I love the little bit when they're, you know, this guy and IMDb says his friend's name's Fred. I don't know if the guy's name really was Fred, but that's what they call him. And I love the little bit that he gets Gus. He gets Gus's coffee for him. And he and, and I know why they do it. So they set Richard Pryor up for the line because they're talking about the percentages and and he's like uh, sugars and he's like I don't know how many sugars. And he's like one and a half. And he kind of looks at him. They smile mm. and you know that's got you know Richard Pryor's the gears are turning in his head, guess his head. So I, I, I like that again. This is a this is a really you're right. This is a really nice scene. It makes them feel like they're actually working someplace. I don't know why Gus is so surprised that all these taxes are being taken out. I know he can't hold down a job, but surely he's worked somewhere before yeah. where he got a paycheck. It's not like they're taking more taxes out on him because he works it. I guess, cause he's making more money. I guess maybe he's looking at it that way, but it's like, dude, that's, that's everywhere. It's not just here, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Right. It's not, it's not specific to WebSco or whatever. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it, and again, I don't know much about computers other than uh, how to record podcasts on them, but like, it's it, it. We see the commands that Gus is writing, and it's like he's not writing code. No, he's not, he's not being cagey. He's literally just telling the computer take all this money and shove it into this account I just created. Which I would think, if you're like a uh, for computer forensics person, would make Gus's crime very easy to track because yeah. you've literally got somebody who wrote that as a sentence <laughs> at a computer. I have to think that's trackable somewhere. Yeah, I think, you know, this movie relies, uh, it, you know, it's 1983, home computers are very, very rare. They're just now, I mean, they're so expensive at this point. Oh, yeah. Most people can't afford them, uh, you know, or they don't think they're necessary. They can't do that much, honestly, at this point. 
Uh, so, you know, it's, it's like alchemy at this point, you know, <laughs> I mean, so it's like, you know, it's like, Ooh, wizardry, you know, you know, but, uh, you know, it's before everybody had a mother box in their pocket, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, what he does is like totally with the little stylus pen and everything. It's, it's so, it's so cute. Yeah. I, <laughs> but, I'm, I'm kind of amazed that the, it, it has a, the computers are touchscreen. Yeah, the style of that's kind of that's pretty far ahead for 1983. I would think even for a company that does all this kind of computing, I was shocked that he it's actually a touchscreen. I was like, man, wow. I mean, what? I don't have a touchscreen now. No, me neither. I mean, one thing that really baffled me is like maybe it's because this, like, it shows everybody it like literally zooms in on like the women are like taking off their sneakers and putting their like heels back on and stuff. And it's like, did they have on sneakers because of? Is it like a clean room type thing, or is it because the floors are squeaky? I, I don't. I, I didn't understand why they were like pulling a Mister Rogers and changing their shoes when they were calling it a day at the well, end. I, of the I, I I took it as the women are that they're putting on sneakers because they're going to walk home. Oh, okay. They don't want to walk on the New York streets in heels, so they they carry their sneaker. They wear sneakers as they're commuting, and then they get to the office, put their dress shoes on. And then change back when they're headed ready to walk home because, you know, women have to walk at least a couple of blocks uh, anywhere to get to where they need to go. Right. Okay. I couldn't tell if they were taking them off or putting them on the way it's shot. I, yeah, I it is it a little again. confusing. And I mean, not that we should get caught up on that, but they just thought it was it was a little weird that, yeah. you know, that they shot. But I guess it's just a, you know, it's another one of these, you know, it's nine to five. Nine to five was a big movie a few years before. Mm-hmm. And this is, I guess, kind of one of those things or something. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So after uh, we Gus's plan starts uh, starts going in motion, we cut to the bus and we see that Clark and Jimmy are on their way to Smallville. And uh, Jimmy is apparently talking Clark's ear off because he's actually falling asleep because uh, Jimmy is so boring. And I, again, it's a gag, and let's not take it too terribly seriously. But I don't know if I I don't know if I like Superman being bored by Jimmy. I don't know. It feels a little mean. Maybe I mean. I don't know. Am I crazy? Yeah, I mean, he also he already commented on the mustard on his lapel, and now he's like, he's like ignoring Jimmy by you know going to sleep or trying to fake like he's going to sleep, so he'll mm-hmm. just quit having to listen to him. I don't know what he's doing, but yeah, it's and I have to think he's like actually thankful for a chemical fire, you know, at this <laughs> point because Jimmy's droning on about you know his relatives that cook their dressing in the turkey and the ones that cook it outside the turkey, which I don't know what you guys do, and and Rob, I know you don't partake of turkey, but but <laughs> but uh, but I think. I think it's gross to cook your dressing in the turkey and then eat it. I think it's just gross. So I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can comment on the website, fryingwaterpodcast.com for this. Let us know what, let us know about Turkey Gate. Yeah, let you us know. Feel. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and so there are five minutes ends with a shot of the bus, the trailways bus where it says go big red on the back heading into uh, this sort of traffic stop because we see there is some sort of chemical fire. And so that means presumably maybe in the next five minutes, we'll get some Superman action. At least I hope mm. so. Mm. Yeah, I think we will. I think it's going to be good Superman action too. <laughs> All right. So, okay. So we've made it past the Pratt falls and the, the, the physical comedy. So at least we're getting some setup here. Uh, at least we're getting some sort of, you know, we're moving into the plot and stuff. So overall, I'd say this is probably our favorite five minutes of the, of the three, so three, sets of five we've done so far i think so there was nothing there was nothing in this scene that couldn't have been in like 
uh, the other Superman movies at this point, you know. So I, I, I think we're good. I mean, maybe well, Richard Pryor wasn't in the other Superman movies, but you know, even he's, you know, he's very subdued in yeah. these scenes. Other than saying, "I want to get down, I want to boogie," you know, and all that stuff. Yeah, I could live without that. Yeah, but just, you know, it's kind of we. It's like, yeah, we, we know about you, Richard. We know what you want to do with your money. It's like you know, that's your business, and you're great. We love you, but yeah, uh, but. <laughs> You're a wild man. We know. We know. Yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before we sign off here, there is one kind of Superman-related story that I wanted to tell, and it doesn't have anything to do with Superman three, but it's Superman-related, and it just happened. So I figure, why not? Here's the opportunity to tell this very brief story. So the other day, uh, my fiance and I, Kelly, were driving, and uh, we were we were we just recently snowed here uh, in New Jersey, and this car was coming. The other way and on top of this car was a very thick sheet of ice now i don't know what kind of laws you guys have down in kentucky chris but like you're not allowed to do that in new jersey mm. you have to you cannot drive around with giant sheets of ice or snow on top of your car because they fly off and they mm-hmm. get blind to driver so it, and we even get little they have little flashing things uh over uh, highways that say you know like literally you're it's against the law you have to clean off your car this person did not do that. So they had this giant sheet of ice on the roof of their car. As we are passing them the other way, they hit a bump or something, which caused this sheet of ice to crack into multiple pieces. And the wind caught it, and this giant slab of ice flew in the air. And I will admit, in that moment, I went, that's pretty cool. It looks like the Phantom Zone villains. <laughs> That feeling that it was cool ended when the giant slab of ice hit my car at like 40 miles an hour. And it made a bang that really was scary. I think I urinated a little bit. It was so terrifying. Oh, my God. It was loud. I mean, it was loud. I mean, and we were very fortunate. That it did not crack the windshield. I'm guessing ice really can't crack windshield, but you don't. I don't really know. It was heavy enough, right? We were yeah. very, very fortunate that it did not crack my – I just bought that car last year. I don't – it's a new car. You have to pay for it. And I didn't want it to crack the windshield. <laughs> Luckily, we got out. We looked, and it was fine. I was really mad at the driver because you're not supposed to be doing that. Yeah. And so we, 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 we get back in the car, and we're driving. And, uh, and, and I, I said, you know, wow, that was stressful. Cause it was like, it all happened in like four and a half seconds. Yeah. And Kelly was like, yeah. And then she pauses for a moment and she goes, did that not look like the Phantom Zone villains? <laughs> Marry that woman. <laughs> I, well, I'm planning to, that's the idea. So I, I turn and I said, that was literally what was in my brain. That it was like, wow, that was cool. That looked like the Phantom Zone vit. And then bang. So. Sheets of ice flying at your car, everybody. Not fun. I was going to say it. Not fun. Well, we, we had a big, that's, 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 that's awesome, but also frightening and terrifying. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we had the same big snowstorm, I guess, hit us too. And, and, uh, we had, uh, ice and snow. And, uh, yes, we, I don't know if it's a law here, but I always clean my car off because, you know, I've, I've stupidly left not ice, but snow on the top of my car. And then it, you know, slid down my, my uh windshield and then like when i stopped and then i'm 
like, you know, can't see. So I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I learned that lesson when I was young, but, but no, um, you know, we cleaned off the car and actually I, I put a little picture out on Facebook of, uh, with my, one of my Superman action figures holding that yes. uh, <laughs> big sheet of ice to mimic an upcoming scene that may be in the next like 10 minutes or so of the movie, um, uh, to, uh, Superman holding a large sheet of ice. So <laughs> I had some fun with that. And I saw, I was cleaning one of the other cars off and I told Cindy, he's like, Ooh, I need to get like a big, one of these big sheets of ice and like take a picture. And she's like, oh yeah, that'd be pretty cool. So I did that. And of course, like I said, when we did the first Superman movie, when all those icicles were hanging around, I, you know, grabbed one off the house and, you know, I chucked it as hard as I could and seen if anything happened when it landed in the (laughs) snow. I told the kids, I said, 43 years, still nothing. Damn it. (laughs) You know that if Mego had lived long enough to see Superman 3, that would have been like their Mego toy commercial. That's what it yeah. would have looked. That would have looked like your photo. This would have yeah. a kid with holding a thing and like Superman three line of toys from Mego. You know, it would have been that kind of thing. You know, <laughs> yeah. Been, yeah. Get your Gus Gorman and get your Lorelai action figures from Mego. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. Yeah, oh boy. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, okay, well, I guess that's going to do it for this episode of Superman Movie Minute. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at Superman Move Min. All the episodes are on our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. And if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, go to patreon.com slash Podcast, And there you can unlock various rewards. One wish is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big super thanks to Henry Bernstein for his support of Superman Movie Minute. So that is going to do it for this episode. Uh, Come back next time as the adventure continues with Superman 3 Movie Minute. Giorgio, per favore. E grazie.